Hello, fabulous followers, and welcome to this week's Totem Talks. Totem As- Talks. Totem Talks. Totem Talks. As always, I'm your host, Mark Smith, and I'm joined by... Helen Fruin. Oh, the fabulous Helen Fruin. And today we are going to be talking about your book. Now, it's a bit of an update podcast, I'll admit, and there is some news regarding your book. Mm-hmm. We have changed direction slightly, mm-hmm. which caught me off guard, mm-hmm. I will admit. I think it caught me off guard too. <laughs> yes, yes, but... Uh, for everybody who is new to the podcast, welcome, first and foremost. And secondly, Helen has been on a little mission to write a book about having difficult conversations with your friends, your family, your work colleagues and all of that jazz. And in the last few weeks, that has all changed. So say some more for us. So I'm still going to write that book. That book is, it's in some way written already. It yes, will it be is, done. Yeah. It will be done. But there is another book that came to me as well this would be the follow-on and then it actually made more sense to do that book first uh-huh. so i'm halfway through writing book one book two has come to me in a moment of ah i'm like okay that's book two and then speaking to my publisher actually that makes sense to make it book one so book two is now <laughs> honest conversations and book one title to be determined mm-hmm. now obviously writing two books at one time is is uh, it's, it suits your personality type <laughs> let's 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 bite off two things we can't chew um what's this second book or now the first book going to be about all about confidence mm-hmm. and how perhaps that's not the most helpful thing to aim for i see mm-hmm. now i've had obviously i've it's, it's not like this is new to me so i've i've been part of this process commercially now don't forget everybody this is a business psychology podcast with the emphasis here on business for me in this conversation this book does make more commercial sense for totem to be sponsoring i should i think um, yeah because the the honest conversations book is going to be very right it's going to be very useful for people absolutely so they're going to buy the book and okay here's how i can have better conversations here's how i can better clarify what i want out of the conversation and then get it great that's a very useful book Mm -hmm. to to the commercial point what are you going to sell off the back of that book Mm -hmm. well we have honest conversations workshops great we could have coaching clients who want to talk about honest conversations great is that a big part of our business no no it's the it's the subtext of all of our business Mm -hmm. but it's not the the top line sales no absolutely whereas confidence people are always looking for help with their confidence people are in leadership programs talking about how can i be a more confident leader in coaching conversations how can i be a more confident presenter or how can i be more confident in applying for that promotion People are always looking for confidence. And so it's an easier sell to come off the back of the book. And what excites me about this book is that it's not, how can you be more confident? How can you, it's actually challenging whether confidence is the right thing to go for in the first place. So that excites me because there's something different or disruptive. Yeah, Yeah, I like that term, disruptive. I quite like that. Um, So yeah, so this is the step one part one a of your journey to writing (laughs) two different books now you talked about a a publisher why is it that your publisher is quite excited about this book the publisher is excited about this book because it builds a journey Hmm. what you've got with if, if honest conversations was a standalone book 
you have a book. Okay. By doing the confidence book first and then writing the honest conversations book, what you build is almost a bit of a series of get your head in the right place, then have good conversations. And then you could keep going on how to get more of what you want, how to achieve more of what you want in your career, in life. So it becomes a bit of a a build, Mm. which from the publisher's perspective is exciting because it's easier to market books the more the author has written. Okay, that makes some sense. Yeah. And I think from from Totem's perspective, I think there's two things going off here. Obviously, there's the commercial side of it, but then there's also the personal development side of this journey for you, which I think Totem's obviously invested in. Um, but it's not just writing a book that's important to you, is it? There's actually quite a lot of other activities that you're seeking to build out from this place. So TED Talks, for example. Yeah, I mean, the... The entire reason that I set out to write a book was because I wanted to do a TED Talk. Mm -hmm. And the entire reason I wanted to do a TED Talk is one, for ego, because that would be cool. Yes. And two. Listeners, it's really important to understand that Helen has got a whopping ego. Whopping. Can't get the head through the door. Whopping ego. And I love it. I love it. (laughs) An opportunity to do a TED Talk would be great. Mm -hmm. The, you know, which one comes first? Is it about ego or is it about helping people? I can never separate separate those two. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about a TED Talk is the reach. If I meet a thousand people a year, or if I have speaking conferences where I speak to 5,000 people a year, that is my maximum reach. Mm -hmm. If I have a TED Talk, there is no end to the reach. And so being able to get the, what I find most powerful in, in the feedback people give me of the content that I share is that it is so practical. It's beyond, oh, that's interesting. It's beyond, oh, I've not thought about it that way. It's I now know what I can do to come across better in that meeting, mm. to go for that promotion, to ace that interview. I actually know what I can do. It's anti-academic. Which is me. So yes, that makes sense. <laughs> Who lives on mantra, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, to, to be able to have the book as a tool in itself to have a TED talk to then off the back of those things, have more coaching clients, more workshops where I can say to people, if you, because let's face it, how many people have been told you need to be more confident. You need to work on your confidence. That is incredibly unhelpful advice. Patronizing. It's patronizing. That's what it is. It's also massively unhelpful. It's not just that. I think it's, it's, it smacks of like middle-aged white man as well that's what that's what got me about it. when you first you need to be more like me yeah when yeah exactly that and you know how you know i've been i have been told and i have been telling it to people for a very long time and when we kind of had this first conversation it really dawned on me that actually it's a very sort of um heterosexual white man kind of view of how to get ahead in business and you suggested actually well maybe confidence isn't what it is um you know we often talk about the sort of fake it till you make it thing so in that scenario, actually, that person's not confident whilst they're trying to build their skill set. What are they? And if they're succeeding without having the confidence because they're faking it, inverted commas, then perhaps there's actually something else going off there. Um, so I, actually, I thought it was quite countercultural what you were talking about. And I thought it was, um, I think it's going to be well received by a much bigger audience than just crusty old white men uh, like me. <laughs> sitting in an office saying you just need to be more confident and what excites me right so the, the way the way that this book could make a difference to people is that people who've been told 
you need to be more confident, read this book and say, oh, okay, I don't need to be more confident. What can I do instead? How Mm. do I succeed? How do I be more courageous and and achieve more in life? Whatever that means to me, Mm -hmm. not by being more confident, but by doing other things that are actually more useful. But what also, if, if you had these crusty men that you're talking about reading that book and going, oh, so maybe I should stop giving the advice to be more confident and give more useful and helpful advice. How incredible is that? Mm. So I see that you've got these kind of double wins here. Absolutely. Yeah, the uh, the be more confident is pretty much like suck it up. Actually, how do I suck up this? I, you know, it's... And that's my point about it being unhelpful. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's also something about it starting to become an excuse. Mm. So what I've seen from a lot of people on workshops or coaching sessions is you get so far down the road of, so what can you do about this? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And they get so far and then their comfort blanket is, oh, well, I guess I just need to be more confident. Mm. Because if I can use confidence as an excuse, I don't have to be brave. Yeah. I don't have to do something scary. Screw that. I'm not going to have that as an excuse. I've got Helen's big eyes staring at me. So yes, we're not doing that. Giant glasses. Giant glasses. <laughs> yeah. Much better to think about how can I actually achieve what I want to do? What are the brave steps I need to take? Rather than what does it mean to work on your confidence? Like you say, what does it mean to suck it up? Or man up is the other classic. Mm -hmm. I did like Big Hero 6 for having woman up as the alternative. Yes, I would have said that that, even that phrase has now died a death. So Absolutely. So go on, you've been flirting with me for the last 10 minutes or so. Give us give us some tidbits, give us some teasers. What are you going to cover in the book? So part of it is about the myth around confidence. So one of the myths seems to be that if you were just more confident, you would speak up more in meetings, you would ask for promotions, you would put forward your ideas, you'd push yourself forward for opportunities. So if you could just be more confident... Ultimately, you would be better at your job, more assertive and a better leader. And that is a myth. Mm. And what's been great for me is anecdotally, I've had that in mind for a very long time. And in coaching sessions and workshops, talk to people about moving away from working on their confidence and instead working on just being better at their jobs. Uh, But now there's research to back it up. Sure. So I will be sharing in the book what is the research out there and indeed sharing the anecdotes and stories that that bring that to life that shows that confidence where the, the assumption is that confidence and ability are related, that if you're confident, it's because you're good or you're good because you were confident first. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of cause and effect here that you've got to be confident first to then be good at your job. Mm-hmm. Actually, the research would suggest that people who are confident and good at their job, they got good at their job first and then the confidence followed. Hmm. As opposed to, I think I'm great. Oh, look, by magic, because I think I'm great, I became great. Also, how many people do we know who are confident <laughs> and not very good at their Absolutely job? Absolutely shocking at their job, yeah. yeah. Quite a lot of people, actually. Mm. And the worrying thing, and this is where interviewing is so dangerous, is that as people watching, we do tend to confuse confidence with ability. Mm. So if you come across as confident, I think you know what you're talking about. Now, that's very worrying, and that's why skills of interviewers need to be improved so that we don't just go oh he came across as so confident i think he's great at the job yeah okay and do you think i mean listening just to that 
do you think there's actually going to be an overlap between your sort of philosophy, if you like, and the Sheryl Sandberg lean in? Because she didn't really talk about confidence in that book, did she? Um, or do you think actually you're going to be uh, cutting across some of what she's saying and maybe disagreeing with it, her, her a little bit? Yeah, probably a bit of both because lean in and the the steps that Sheryl Sandberg spoke about you know, get noticed, speak up in meetings, le- lean into your meetings. Um, a lot of people have criticised Sheryl Sandberg for that smacking of privilege. Mm. That, you know, many of us can't even be in that room or many of us may tra- try to speak up and then get shut down by someone more senior or someone white or someone male <laughs> yes, in the room, there, yeah. right? So there's the, there's the criticism that it smacks of privilege. Also, for a lot of people, the courage to do that, they'll say, well, I can't do that because I'm not confident enough. Mm-hmm. In which case, actually, then I'm saying the same thing as Sheryl Sandberg to say, don't wait for confidence. What does that even mean to build your confidence first? What are you going to do? Sit, I'm just going to sit here for six months and hope I feel more confident to then go and speak up. Be courageous, be brave. And so in that way, I'm agreeing with Sheryl Sandberg. You've just got to lean in and say something. Do something and the confidence will come from that experience. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So it sounds so far that what you're saying, the premise of your book is basically don't wait for confidence. Just get off your bottom and go do things. Is that, is that where we're at? Uh, I guess that would be the description of the book. Feel the fear and do it anyway, yeah. which oh, yeah. is a great yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and there's certainly an element of that. What I want to do, when I said before that the, the feedback that means so much to me that people give me from workshops and coaching sessions is that the tips are so practical, mm. is to go beyond just saying to you, feel the fear and do it anyway, or just saying to you, just speak up in the meetings. It's not quite enough. It's almost like, a, but how do I do that? How do I find what I want to say? Or how do I make sure I don't sound like an idiot when I do speak up in the meeting? How do I manage the massive imposter syndrome and concerns that are going on for me? So what I want to give is the practical checklist that says, what can I do to prepare to speak up in that meeting? Mm -hmm. What can I do to prepare to go and ask my boss for a pay rise? So that I actually feel, regardless of confidence, that I am ready to go and do the very best job I can. Hmm. Awesome. I I do, I've got a little, I've got a little thing I've got a little itch I'd like to come mm. back to. And that is actually the, the mechanics of writing a book. I think mm. there are a number of people listening who have who have thought about it, mm. uh, who have got something good to say. But for whatever reason, it's probably not going to happen. It's not actually been that hard, mm-hmm. has it, to find a publisher um, and then to sort of work with them, get some good coaching from them, and then to sort of develop a plan. Is there anything you would say for like someone who is considering writing a book? What advice would you give them in the first two to three months of this process? I guess to have the the understanding, as you've described there, that it's not as hard as it used to be. Mm. So if I was doing this 10 years ago, maybe even fewer years ago, I don't know quite when things changed in the publishing world, you really had to sell yeah. to a publisher it was a big it was either right? a big publishing house or it was self-published right there was nothing in between and, and people don't tend to respect self-publishing so much yeah. so if you're self-published it looks a bit and often it means that you end up not doing a very good job if you're self-publishing yeah. so there's a lot of that um and there's a bit of um what do you want to say 
there's a sense that maybe you have less credibility mm. as a writer if you've self-published and but but if the only option was that or a massive publishing house then you've got to send your book proposal mm. to how many big publishing houses think of jk rowling getting all of those rejection letters before harry potter was finally taken on by someone that you know who's going to do that and how scary is that and how awful is that rejection of all those rejection letters whereas now you have this mid hybrid option of going to a publisher and paying them money mm. to do the very professional very good job that they can do so I guess having that understanding in your first couple of months and thinking this through and then researching some publishers that you can go to having conversations with them that's a great starting point that's a great start I think there's an accountability point as well mm. with the publisher once you've once you've handed over over, to, over some money and the company's money as well mm-hmm um you know it starts it, there starts to be an accountability factor in there in terms of the way that you create a writing schedule mm-hmm. um the way that you actually block stuff out in your diary to get this done time frames time scales then you start to build it into your marketing plan as well if you have one um so i, I would recommend working with one of these you know, sort of boutique i think they're called boutique publishers um just and to, that's what's just exciting. to get the most out of yourself yeah and that's what's exciting for me as you say about the writing schedule because the publisher asked okay when do you want to have a kind of messy first draft in your hand I said no that's not the question for me the question for me is when do I want a box of 500 books Mm. that I can be sending out to clients as gifts I can be taking to conferences to share I can be talking about I can be recommending that everybody and their dog buy for someone for Christmas and that's what came to me is is Christmas this year mm-hmm. would be great. When you start working back from there, it gets very scary because yeah. you really need to have your, your messy first draft by kind of the end of July. You think, oh my gosh, that's really close. But as you say, you've then got that accountability. You've got that schedule. You know how it all lines up. And once you actually break that down, so we've broken it down that I need to be writing for five hours a week. It doesn't sound that bad. Doesn't sound that bad. We'll say it's just occurred to me 500 books whose budget line is that coming out of <laughs> <laughs> maybe not 500 well i don't know let's get you to the top of the amazon list baby mm, not sure about that yeah. <laughs> okay cool um let's call it a quits there uh i'm very excited about this book i think there was one other thought that i did have um the three conversations podcast that we do um they are not for naught mm-hmm. listeners um if you have listen to those and you've enjoyed them hopefully we are going to be coming back to them um for book two for book two we probably will still be having those conversations over the next six months so Mm -hmm. those three conversations type podcasts will still be taking place we're still eternally grateful to everyone who's participated and we are using that material for book two there's just a little pause whilst we build this sort of pipeline of books up and um, begin to market them as effectively as we can. And also, I suppose it wouldn't surprise me if I ended up doing a slightly different version of the podcast now about people's experience of confidence. Well, with that, have a wonderful week, everybody, and we shall see you in a few weeks' time. Thank you.